something huge. We are at a crossroads and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. So I'm here with Todd Rowe. Uh, we're live at Inbound. Busy day for you, Todd. Um, but wanted to kind of grab you and and talk about um, some of the culture of innovation stuff uh, you you presented on here earlier today, um, specifically about how Google drives a culture of innovation. It's a perfect topic for this podcast, so wanted to dive in on that. Um, one of the pieces in there was all about how innovation can't really be ordained, but it's more about something that you can create an environment there where it. Involve, uh, evolves organically. How how's that? How do you guys think about that? And how is that something that we can maybe teach out to other people that are listening, trying to help grow their business? Sure. In fact, Google is a company where I think we've been fairly uh, innovative in a lot of ways. And, and companies will ask me, how is that Google is able to do this? And you're right. It's not something that can be mandated. It can't be ordained from this. There are three things that we do to try and help create a culture of innovation at Google. The first one is in terms of uh, trying to provide as much freedom to the, the employees. So there are things like 20% projects they can work on, things that they find most interesting to them uh, to, to work on there. The other thing is in terms of focused on the end user. So our products are developed uh, more from an end user perspective, nothing that's really internal. The third one is in terms of 10x thinking. In essence, trying to grow that business or do something not just incrementally, but really expand that uh, by 10x. And we believe that in some cases, it's easier to, to build a business or grow it by 10 times than just by 10% incrementally. Yeah. So those are three things in terms of focus on the user, uh, greater freedom to the employees, and lastly, uh, uh, being able to, to think and act 10x. So I want, I want to, let's, let's dive into each one of those. So the first one is about giving employees time to work on other projects. Now, if I'm running a more traditional business, and this is something that is a newer concept to me, how do you think about this other than saying, hey, Dave, all right, instead of you doing marketing and working on this for 100% of your time, you're now going to take a small portion and work on something different. What's the right way to start rolling that out or start thinking about it? Sure. In some cases, um, as you look at that in terms of uh, the freedom to, to look at things, uh, to do things, it's not just a question of time. It's what are the projects that the employees want to do? We'll first say, if this is a 20% project you want to do, we'll have them speak with their manager and say, is this relevant? Is that helpful for the company? In many cases, it may be not taking 20% out of the time, but maybe adding 10 or 20% there uh, to what they're currently doing here. So in some cases, it is added work or added time for this, but it's something that the empl- uh, the Google employees are passionate about. They like it, uh, and so they'll be willing to spend right. the time in addition to their own job in doing this. So for small businesses who may not have that same type of resources, uh, they're still able to uh, be able to do these type of projects. Uh, you don't have to be a big company to drive innovation and have these type of uh, 20% projects. Yeah, I think one of the great HubSpot's exa- examples that we've talked about here internally is there's a guy on the sales team in the early days, and he said, we want to go after a partner channel. And they said, you can do it, just not between 9 to 5. Yeah. He went out and did it on its own, nights and weekends, and then within two months was able to say, you know, make a business case to the rest of the team and say, I think we could double down on this. And so it seems like, hey, if this is a passion project, it's something that 
employees don't have to think about during the day. It's you're passionate enough about it that you want to work on it outside of your traditional working hours, for example. True, and you can still do it where it's during some of those those hours. Really, it's up to uh, the employee and the manager. Gee, how much time do they have and the resource to, to allocate to it? But a lot of the great ideas for a company come not from the executives. They come from the individual employees. And so give them a vehicle to be able to do this, uh, like a 20% project, is a great way to drive innovation. Yeah. The other thing that you mentioned was this maniacal focus on the customer and the user experience. Um, what's the best way for me to go out there and, and make sure that we're nailing that? Is it as simple as getting surveying existing customers and seeing how things are going? No, so everybody talks. Every company will say they have a focus on the customer, right? Everybody does. Nobody will say, I don't focus on the customer. But yet you see very few that really do it at the same level as Google. So it starts from the top. It's the CEO who in some cases may cancel uh, a product launch because it's just not ready uh, for, the, for the end user standpoint. It's also making sure that uh, in every step that we're getting feedback from both customers and feedback from our employees who are dog-fooding the product and saying, does it work, does it work well, does it satisfy the user requirements? So it's getting that uh, executive level buy-in to, to, to start and say, we're really serious about this. Right. Uh, secondly, yes, it's going to be getting that, that customer feedback uh, in all aspects of the product lifecycle, certainly before you launch, but even after you launch in terms of how are they using it, what do they like, what don't they like, and try and make improvements based upon that. And it's worked pretty well for us. And then this whole concept of um, 10x versus incremental. What's the easiest way to do that? Just foregoing for going all the traditional ways that you might be thinking. And, and this is, I'm sure, something that factors in when you guys are hiring. Like This is a, a trait that you're going to see in, in, a, in somebody that you're bringing on board versus just a, you flip a switch for an existing employee and all of a sudden they're creating projects that are 10x better than the last yeah. thing. Innovation is about breaking the rules in some cases and going outside of the standard business processes. Uh, and so to be able to do that, we look for three things. We look for some things where they're just really major problems. The second one is where you're able to, to have some really um, cutting edge technology to be able to go after that. And the third one is in terms of just a really big problem to try and solve. So that intersection of those three is where we say, here's a great 10x idea. So whether it's computer driven cars or the contact lenses that can, can uh, uh, help people who are diabetics in terms of measure their uh, glucose levels or other things this way, that's a way in which we think of 10x ideas. The important thing is that you need to have some 10x ideas, otherwise you just are focusing on your core business, which is all well and good, but that core business is going to go stale after a few years. You have to find what is that next great thing. And that's how we go about uh, looking for those 10x ideas or what are those next great things. Right, but it's not like, you know, to, to your point, you can't just pick one, spend a lot of time and resources on it and see if that works. You need people thinking about a bunch of 10x ideas to have a bunch of different you know, places to go versus just saying, we're going to put all our eggs in this one basket. Sure, yeah. And so there are a lot of different uh, bets that we place. Some work out. Some absolutely have not worked out. Uh, but we're okay with that. We want to be able to have a culture where it uh, can push the edge uh, and where people have their freedom to be able to, to take risks and, and fail. And, and, and in reality, fail, you probably only need one of those bets to pay off. It's almost like you know, you're, a, you're a venture investor. You want you want to place 30 different bets, you want one or two of them to pay off, and that, that's going to be why, you know, why you... We'd actually want uh, more than just one or two or three. It's like, you know, really, we're trying to get as many as we possibly can in completely different areas of the business. Uh, so it's really, uh, 
swinging uh, very broadly and trying to get as many different hits as you can. Gotcha. All right, I want to wrap up with this. We talked to a lot of execs on this podcast, and one of the questions that we like to ask since it is the growth show is, in your experience, what do you think the biggest misconception is about growth? Is there, is there one or two things that you see a lot of companies get wrong when it comes to growth? Yeah, you know, people will think of growth as just trying to sell more, uh, and so we'll focus more in terms of just adding on product or trying to find new customers, and, and that's, that's all good and well-intentioned. Uh, the thing that I think is a misconception is focus first on your existing customers. Make sure that you've got a product that is just rock solid for them, and that, they, that way they don't leave. So the first area of growth really is customer retention and making sure you've got fanatical, loyal customers that can stay with you. Uh, and if you do that, you'll see great organic growth, even more so than just trying to sell uh, new product to, to new customers who churn all the time. That's a, it's a great bookend. We, we had uh, Tom Tungus from Redpoint uh, Ventures on the podcast earlier in the year, and he had a great analogy about keeping your customers happy in churn. It's like, he said, when it comes to growth, it's like uh, filling a bucket but it's not also leaking out at the bottom at the same time as you're yeah. putting new stuff in there. And many, you know, there, there are going to be customers who churn. There is a bit of that leaky bucket. The trick is, or the, the, the way to drive greater growth, is to have as, as small of a leaky bucket and as much coming in the top and keeping it as you can. And then as a business, you're able to almost finance your growth with existing customers versus having to rely on other yeah, sources. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Todd Rowe, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you.